Everybody, welcome to Becoming Better, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better human being. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 53, Productivity Habits, part one. Oh, hey. I feel weird. Uh, oh, hey. I, I didn't see you come in there. <laughs> uh, I feel weird saying my name, and I think it's my name on the artwork, but you're here, I'd say, over half the time. Yeah, I think it's over half the time. So, Why? hello, friends. So, my ego is just uh, outsized, right? I need to put it on everything, like a realtor. Like, because of the bus ads? Yeah, l- realtors like to put their face on things. Well, I don't want to generalize and I don't want to make fun of anybody. Yeah, I bet That's you there not are, very nice. There are realtors that probably listen to this, but and it's probably the kind of realtors that don't put their face everywhere. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. One minute in and we're already derailed. We've already lost, well, we half our audience is realtors. And so we've already lost half the audience, even though we're talking about an exciting topic today, Arden Nordstrom. Your favorite productivity habits. Yeah. So this is kind of my... My jam. If there's one interest I have, it's productivity strategies. Uh, let let me ask you a question, though, Arden, wife of mine. Why? What's the point of becoming more productive? I mean, at the core of it, it's really to make back time, right? To yeah. to get as much out of every mm-hmm. every moment you have without hating the process. Yeah, I think that's a really important part, right? Like not yeah. hating the process, because otherwise. I don't know if the net utility you get out of the saved time versus the how much more you hate the time it takes to make back that time. I don't know what the net utility of yeah, that would be. If you save 24 hours a day, but you hate every single one of the hours that you save, what's the point of becoming more productive? And this is the word productivity calls to mind a lot of different images for a lot of different people. A lot of people, what it brings to mind is something that feels cold and corporate and all about efficiency and effectiveness and boiling your life down to a spreadsheet. But I think it, it, these ideas can make us more human. Uh, like you were saying, they can give us more time for what's actually meaningful, valuable to us. They can allow us to accomplish 12 hours, 10 hours of work in seven, eight or nine, and then give us more time for what we love after that too. I think they can also, when I look at this list, I think a lot of these ideas can actually help you really enjoy your work as well. It's not just about shrinking down your work into as least amount of time as possible. I think it also allows you to really enjoy the work a lot more because you can be more focused on the things that actually matter. You can prioritize things better and do the work at the time that's right to make sure you you get more enjoyment out of the work and, and enjoy the process a bit more too. Well, that's the thing too is we so often strive towards certain accomplishments and we don't really enjoy ourselves along the way. And if you just think about it from a longitudinal standpoint, the amount of time that we spend actually at the point of accomplishment is infinitesimal. What's the word? Infinitesimally? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those words I only ever read. It's very small. And so if you don't enjoy all the steps to that zenith of productivity, the point at which you ship a project, uh, deliver something important, you know, you really got to check that out as well. So you probably heard at the start of this episode that this is part one of our favorite productivity habits. Uh, That's because over the course of the last week or so, we've combed through all the ideas we've talked about on the podcast so far. I've combed through the books that I've written, the blog posts that I've written, and we've chosen 
just 10 ideas that are kind of a perfect combination of where these ideas meet. They let you earn back time. They let you enjoy the journey. They let you carve out more time for what's meaningful. And they work and they're fun to do as well. Yeah, I think if you take what you what you think you'll like out of this list, what you'll find helpful out of this list, yeah, you'll definitely be able to get more done in a smaller amount of time, but also enjoy that time a lot <laughs> you more. You say that reluctantly. No. A smaller amount. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, no. I actually really love what I do, but I think it's also one of those you things do. where I am. I'm very oh, lucky. Wow. I get to, I love like pretty much every everything I get to do, uh, including literature reviews lately because I've found I'm much more engaged with my work right now. So it's very exciting. Um, but I think... If you enjoy a literature review, is that more of a sign of insanity than passion? Oh, maybe. Maybe I've reached that point of my (laughs) PhD where... The zenith of insanity. Just thrilled writing literature reviews. No, I think... But there's this this quote, and I I think it's often misattributed to Dorothy Parker, where it's... Not not Mark Twain? No, where it's, I I hate writing, but I love having written. And I think this is a really good... It's a kind of productivity in a nutshell, where sometimes the outcome is like definitely worth the the time invested. But all of these tips should make you enjoy that writing process too. So it should be, I love writing, and I love having written. Yeah. Do you think Mark Twain actually said anything? Or do you think we just misattribute like every quote to Mark Twain? I don't know. I feel like Mark Mark <laughs> Twain seems to be quite um, profound, I guess, yeah. if you attribute everything that they say to him. Yeah, I think anything. Instead, of, you can strike off anonymous after a quote and just put Mark Twain and it sounds more insightful. All right. Well, on that happy note, uh, this is going to be a two-parter. So we've decided to break this up into two very exciting parts where we'll start at the bottom of the list with item number 10 and we'll move up to number one. So it gets better is what you're saying. I think they're all pretty good. But yeah, I think we rank them in order of kind of ascending importance or or usefulness. So we'll get we'll go from uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6 in the first episode here. And then the next episode, you might as well skip this one, you know, if, if you're dealing from 10 to 6, like why why waste your time with numbers that high? But next episode, we're going to go from 5 to 1. And uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I do kid because there are hundreds upon hundreds of productivity habits, strategies, tactics, hacks, whatever you want to call these things. They're kind of various different levels of involvement. And it really is tough to wade through all of the advice out there sometimes, but we've done the best for uh, that, that we can for you. All right. Yes, you, dear listener of Becoming Better. I'm talking to you. All right. So okay. number 10. <laughs> number 10. That's enough preamble. What is number 10, Art? Keep an accomplishments list. Do you keep an accomplishments list? I don't. No? This is off to a good start. But uh, this is one (laughs) of the ones that I I don't actually do. But it is something, I mean, I journal, so I feel like I kind of implicitly do this where I I do make uh, a record of things that... I'm happy with or I'm I'm proud of that I've accomplished. I don't have it quite as itemized as you. I know you have like every year of your life pretty much documented and all the accomplishments you achieved within that year, which is really cool. Um, I don't have that in the same systematic way as you, but I do think I do go back and read my journals and review my journals. And we have the one, one a year journal where we track our joint, like couple accomplishments um, and things that happen. Not just accomplishments, but events that happen too. Yeah, for sure. But in, in that process, we go through all things that we maybe have achieved together, which I think is really cool. So yeah, implicitly, but not directly. 
So tell me, tell me what the point is. This was one that I kind of hesitated to put on the list, and we were going back and forth on what to put on the li- this list. And the fact of the matter is, having a reason for be- wanting to become more productive in the first place is so so critical. Uh, so many of us come to productivity because we want to just achieve more, and we get into this mindset of more where that's all we kind of strive for. Uh, and, and so there's a risk of over overinvesting in that mindset in keeping an accomplishments list. But a simple fact of the matter when it comes to productivity, there's an effect uh, coined by Bluma Zagartnik called the Zagartnik effect, where she found that we store unresolved tasks at the front of mind, and we quickly forget about everything that we've accomplished. And you've probably found this in your, in your own life, in your own days too, where when you do something, you finish a home reno project, you clear out the basement, you do something that is meaningful to you that like Mark Twain or like Dorothy Parker, you are proud to have done, but you quickly forget about it shortly after. And an accomplishments list is a way of reminding yourself if you ever feel like what you're working on doesn't lead to much of importance. You know, it's it's easy to get caught up in, in cycles like that when we have so much to do and so little time to do it in. Uh, an accomplishments list is an incredible strategy for counterbalancing that mental tendency. Uh, and I think there's two of them that are kind of worth keeping. There's the general accomplishment. I, I have mine here, you can see, Arden. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to 2013, look at that. Ten, Jan, what's that January 10th on 2013 uh, milestone. Our six-month anniversary. Yes. <laughs> not not six-month anniversary of the podcast, the six-month anniversary of us being together. 2013, kind of wild um, before any of, before I started to look at productivity full-time. It's just fun to, you know, we all have those weeks where we feel like, oh, like what did I really do this week? Did I move things forward? This is a lovely way to remind yourself that you are making more progress than you think. And it's it's wonderful to reflect back on the the fruits that your productivity efforts lead to. So how do you turn this into a habit, right? I mean, I think yeah. normally when we talk about habits, it's some kind of action or routine. Yeah. Um, how do we habitualize keeping an accomplishments list? Yeah, that's a really good question. There's kind of two different levels that we can do this on. Uh, that list I have going back to 2013, you'll see you'll see me scrolling. <laughs> It's a long list. It would, take, long. it would take a look. You know, there's 15, 20 things each year, the major, not just accomplishments, but milestones that I've reached in my life, in my relationships, in the roles that I have in my life with the different projects that I have. This I review once a month. And I, I've personally found that to be a good cadence because I find that keeps these things front of mind. I, I don't want to be patting myself on the back too much. But then there's the weekly accomplish, uh, accomplishments list as well, where as the week goes on, you just make a note on a, a sheet of paper by your desk or wherever is close by the things that your uh, efforts, your your time, your energy, your attention lead to. And that's a nice one to do throughout the week. I, I, I do that every odd week or so uh, when I find myself feeling like I'm dragging my feet a general rule is you're getting more done than you think you are because of this Gartnick effect. And it's a nice balance uh, for that. I love it. Yeah. Number nine, email or message sprints. Do you do this? I do. This is actually something I've become a lot better at. I think 
I have finally figured out how to balance <laughs> like consulting and research and teaching and all these different pieces of my life. Uh, and I think compressing email into very short bursts of time rather than letting it filter into like all of your day just allows for so much more focused time. And I think there was an interview you did a while ago with Ashley Willens, um, where she yeah. introduced this idea of time confetti. And I think about this concept all the time now, where it's you be, basically because we have so many little distractions and it's so easy to be distracted by things like email and messaging all day long or Slack if, or oh. Skype or whatever messaging system your office uses. It's so easy to end up with a day that's really fragmented by all of these distractions and notifications and quick little messages. And I find that extremely frustrating. And I, yeah. I know a lot of your work, you've talked about how, how long it takes people to get back on track after being distracted. And I think email is just the best example of how easy it is to get distracted and how constant that is. So this is something I've really leaned into. And we've started using this thing called Cave Day, which is basically oh, yeah, like Focus yeah. Mate, but you can do like three-hour sprints of focus time, which is really, I've been finding it extremely helpful. And it also allows me to structure my kind of email checks around those three-hour sprints where at the end of a sprint, I will kind of check in with my email, get up mm -hmm. to date, and then close it down and get back to work. Yeah, uh, Focusmate is great. Uh, of course, this uh, service where it pairs you with somebody who wants to focus on something anywhere in the world at that moment, a, a great service. But Cave Day, uh, I, I kind of use Focusmate for instant accountability and Cave Day for really hunkering down for a few hours at a time. Uh, and email sprints, yeah, they definitely work into that structure. And they go like this at the start of the hour or every once in a while throughout the day, uh, you set a timer for 10 for 15 minutes. And in that time, you blow through as much email or messages, you can do them all, but blow through all your email inboxes if you can. Uh, and then you shut it down. Right, you you blow through as much as you possibly humanly can, and then you disconnect the rest of the time and hunker down and focus on more important things than uh, what supports your work, like instant messaging and email. And this is critical because we so often have these two types of work that we all do. We all have that focused work, which involves hunkering down and just focusing on one thing, and then we have that collaborative work that uh, involves other people, that involves information sharing and coordination with other people. And this is a great way of compartmentalizing that collaboration. But yet, if you do it every hour or so, people have to wait 45, 50 minutes for a response tops. And then you can go on with your day. People feel uh, like they are loved by you, like they are appreciated by you. And everybody is happy and you have things under control without email being this nagging notification at the corner of your screen that comes up throughout the day. Yeah. Exactly. Earn, this will earn back so much time if yeah. you can find a way to really compress your email into little bites throughout the day. So I've, I've mentioned the three areas of productivity, just offhandedly, time, attention, and energy. And you'll probably find that in various levels, these different strategies kind of sit at the intersection of a few of those ideas. But one idea that fits solely in the energy third of that diagram, of, of those overlapping circles, is our biological prime time. If you don't know your biological prime time, you got to figure that, when is your biological, well, first of all, what is a biological prime time, Arden? 
basically it boils down to just how much energy you have at Mm -hmm. a different time of day, right? And this will help you with not only physical tasks, but also mental tasks, right? And I know for me, uh, this is something I've spent quite a lot of time thinking about, but I I know for me, I'm definitely a morning person. I get a lot of really good (laughs) focused work done and really I can think very clearly, um, Typically before like 11 a.m. That's I get up really early and I work really, really focused until 11 a.m.-ish. I know. Every morning you tell me as I wake up at 7 in the morning all the things you've done since 5 or 5.30. Our biological prime times are definitely different in the Becoming Better household. Mine are definitely late morning or late afternoon. Uh, essentially, the idea behind this is, like you said, because our energy per hour is not consistent, neither is our productivity. You know, we uh, energy is the fuel that we burn over the course of every day in order to be productive. And because of that, when we align what our most productive tasks are to when when we have the most energy, we can bring that much more to them and get that much more accomplished. Just kind of rearranging the blocks of our day without really doing much different. It's kind of a low-hanging fruit with regard to productivity. There's different ways of calculating it. One of the easiest one is uh, to ask yourself what time you wake up on weekends. So if you think about a free day, what time do you wake up at? And if it's the same as weekdays, you're likely an early riser. If it's a little later, you're probably somewhere in the middle. And if it's much later, especially if it's 90 minutes or more later, uh, you're probably a night owl. And of course, this is there, there's kind of a golden rule with regard to productivity advice that we have to take what works for us and leave the rest because it's personal productivity. All of our work is different. Our lives are different. Some of us have kids at home. Some of us have calls that start at 7 a.m. Some of us have totally free days that we can schedule however we want. But knowing when your biological prime time is, is key information to work with. Uh, Whether that is as general as whether you're a morning bird or a night owl, or whether it's as specific as my biological prime time is between 10 and noon. Uh, we'll We'll have a link in the show notes for a few different ways that you can calculate these numbers and uh, work within them. Yeah. No, you'll find this to be an incredibly helpful way to earn back a lot of that time that we've talked about. Yeah. And feel free to block it off in your calendar too. Uh, maybe take advantage of the energy dips in your day for more creative work. Uh, and that's the fascinating thing. When our energy is the highest, we're the most productive because we bring more of ourselves to what we do. But when our energy is the lowest, we're usually the most creative. Because our mind is less inhibited. It doesn't really hold back with regard to the ideas that it generates. But you can use this information to schedule your creative work, your focused work. You can know when to take a break because you'll understand when your body and your mind actually need it. Uh, And you can understand the biological prime times of the people around you, including the people that you live with. Yeah, and your colleagues. I think understanding roughly when your colleagues are most effective is also very helpful um, and can help you put meetings at the right time of day, depending on who you're trying to meet with. And I I know like I really try to protect my mornings if at all possible and try to put as many of my meetings in the afternoon. But I know there are some colleagues that like to work in the morning and like to have meetings in the morning. So I try to be mindful of that when I'm I'm scheduling meetings with the people in my life. What one thing that I'd encourage you to do as you listen to this podcast, as well as the one that is to come in a couple of weeks, 
take what works for you and leave the rest. Uh, this advice is not universal. And for some of us, we may pat ourselves on the back constantly and not need an accomplishments list. Uh, other, uh, others of us, maybe we'll, we get three to five emails a day. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't that be lovely? And we wouldn't need to do a sprint. Uh, some of us don't drink caffeine. We wake up and fall asleep naturally. We find that our energy levels don't fluctuate as much, so we may not need that strategy. Take what works for you and leave the rest. Um, given that productivity advice is so personal, I, I think that's the key here. But with that said, going to pile on yet another tactic, and that's a distractions list. Uh, this has been one of my favorite strategies, and it, it's kind of in the spirit of number nine with the email sprints uh, and message sprints, because we, we have these two types of work that we do. We have the focused work, we have the collaborative work, and distractions list kind of accommodates that as well, because when we're hunkered down on something, our mind tends to wander. Right, we we tend to think about all the other things that we could be doing at the same time. We think of all the open loops because of that Zagartnik effect, right? We think of all the people that we need to follow up on. We think of all the things that we're waiting on. We think of all the things that are weighing on our mind in one way or another. And a distractions list is the perfect way to accommodate that. And I think what you mean here by a distractions list, I mean it's pretty self-explanatory. I should probably define it, eh? Yeah, maybe. So I'll help you out. But I think it's pretty self-explanatory, obviously. It's just things that come up that could be a distraction. And I, the whole point here is just that you don't want to have to remember to remember things. Mm. I find this incredibly frustrating when I, I'm in the middle of something really focused and I have to remember, oh, I really need to follow up with so-and-so after yeah. this. Or I really need to make sure I call so-and-so after this. Or and the list is the perfect solution for what to do with that thought in the moment. Yeah, exactly. So you just put it down somewhere that you know you'll check later. That's a really important part here. So you don't have to remember to check the list. It's, yeah. it's part of the system. Um, but making sure you tr you jot all these things down and then you can deal with them when you're done, whatever work that you're focused on at that moment. How do you keep yours? I do everything in things because oh. there's a nice quick keystroke yes. and I can just write it down and I know it's somewhere that I will find it later and I don't have to think about it anymore. Things being a, a to-do list app on the yeah. Mac. I, I love uh, the analog way. And so I, I'm quite generous with my distractions list. I, I don't just put things I'm waiting on or things I need to follow up on or ideas that I get. I put actual distractions I want to indulge in in that moment. So oh, I can, interesting. So I can be mindful of that. If I want to check Twitter, I don't check Twitter then and there because I'm focusing on something. Uh, I will save that until my current focus session is done uh, so that I can indulge intentionally after. And sometimes I find that the urge kind of evaporates into the ether. But then there are these genuine things that I actually do uh, find that I'm interested in. Maybe there's a news story that I've been following that I haven't checked up on in a little while. Whatever it might be, uh, it's a lovely way of capturing all of those things. So on, on my list, it, it gets kind of long, depending on how long the, the focus sprint is. But I think that's the beauty of it, is how much longer this list can extend a duration of a focus session for you, uh, simply because it frees up whatever happens to be on your mind. Yeah, I actually do the same thing where I'll track things that I, oh, I would really like to do X if I wasn't going to just give in to every impulse that I have, right? M make me a coffee. 
I don't think I have that impulse okay. very often, but <laughs> sure. Uh, no, like even things like, I, oh, I really wanted to watch a video on YouTube or, oh, I really wanted to check Instagram. I'll just write it down. And yeah. then normally by the time I get to the list, I don't want to do those things, like just like you said. Yeah. Um, but it's also very helpful to not give in to those impulses every moment something yeah. comes up because sometimes work gets hard and you don't want to do the next thing because it's hard. But it's definitely worth doing the hard thing. And, and it's it's kind of fun to poke and prod at why some temptations evaporate quickly and others stick around. Uh, so today I had a temptation to order a lovely Greek, a uh, delicious food for dinner. A lovely Greek delicious food for dinner. Uh, <laughs> that's a sentence, I think. Um, and and that, that urge was there. I, I looked at that on my distractions list many a times, Arden, until it actually did happen. But then the Twitter checks quickly vanished as well. And so it, it's interesting no, to notice what is fleeting and, and what those things have in common. Apparently, I didn't even realize you ordered lunch today. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't know how I didn't know. You I, were so focused. I was. I had yeah. a really, really good day today. These new yeah. noise-canceling headphones are... It's it's tough to get your attention around the house, to be honest with you. <laughs> or at least that's what I've let you believe. All <laughs> right. <laughs> Moving on to no, number six. That's the final one of this episode. Shrink aversive tasks. This is one of my favorite strategies and it is the one of the simplest ones we've talked about so far. So the distractions list like you were saying it's it's everything on your mind that is kind of a temptation to deal with in the moment. Uh, these self-interruptions as well as these distractions that are important some of them are a temptation others are far less of an indulgence. Shrinking aversive tasks are the opposite kind of thing. <laughs> and so meditation is a really good example of this. And I first got this idea of this strategy from John Crop, who is a meditation teacher. He was on a previous episode of the podcast. Um, I forget which episode. With the magic of editing, I will now tell you that it was episode nine of the podcast. See, I can edit out all that silence and nobody will be any the wiser. And what, what the strategy is, and, and John finds it uh, to be a chore to teach some people to meditate because people find it a chore to meditate. And so what he has them do is shrink how much time they meditate for in their head. And so if you if you find yourself having an aversion to meditation, this will help you too. You might ask yourself, okay, do I want to meditate for half an hour today? No way in hell. What about 25 minutes? No. 20? Eh, 15? Eh, 12? I could do 12. Uh, then you meditate for 12 minutes, and in doing so, you get started, which would never have happened if you set yourself up to have this big hurdle with 30 minutes of meditation to begin with. And so this is a simple strategy for any task that you feel resistance to, whether it's working on a report, whether it's reading a research paper, whether it's doing a literature review, which you seem to love now, or whether it's meditation, we can find our resistance to doing these tasks, shrink it so that how long we do something for is just below that bar and overcome it in that way. Yeah, I think that you, you said it perfectly. I do this all the time, especially when I'm tackling like new projects or new reports, for example. I mean, or even new papers. I think this yeah. is something that I, I definitely try to do where I'll just say, okay, I'm going to write for 25 minutes because that's like the least amount of time that I feel comfortable with or the most amount of time I feel comfortable with. But usually once that time goes by, you, you're totally in the zone. You want to keep going. Yeah. So it's kind of like a nice way of tricking yourself into falling into doing something that you were maybe a li little hesitant to do well, at first. That is so key because we 
find it so difficult to account for the stories that we tell ourselves surrounding how productive we are. And definitely with the most aversive tasks on our plate, we have these stories, the, these narratives that we build up around some tasks when we're procrastinating on them, uh, like how we don't have time for certain things. <laughs> the, the amount of times that, uh, you know, I, I hear somebody say that they don't have med- time for meditation or to read books. That's, that's yeah. something a lot of people say they don't have time for. But I bet you every single one of those people has also watched the Friends reunion, which was fantastic. E- even speaking as somebody who doesn't watch Friends. Uh, and, and so we build up these stories around tasks. And this is a way to cut right through those narratives. You shrink how much time you do something for until you no longer feel that resistance. And that is number six. Bonus trick, you can also pair aversive tasks with things that you really love doing to shrink how aversive it is. Do tell. I mean, this is something I started to do when I I tried to build meditation into a habit for myself in the morning uh, where I would only drink the tea that I really, really love Mm. when I meditated or right after I meditated. So coupling something that you are trying to build it up, up as a habit with something that you know you already love just another way of making something less aversive. What kind of tea? It's called Vada Balance. It's from a local tea shop in town. uh, And it's a combination of licorice, ginger, and a whole bunch of other lovely spices. Chamomile, uh, a whole bunch of wonderful, wonderful things. And it's just a great way to wake up in the morning. Chachatea.com. C-H-A-C-H-A-T-T-E-A. Yeah. I think people know how to spell tea. I I don't know where they ship, but, but I know... Oh, it says at the top, we ship only in Canada in this moment. So if you are lucky enough to be in Canada, this lady is, she's a local lady. She lives in Kingston, Ontario. Uh, She is absolutely fantastic. She will hook you up with some good Vata Balance tea. There you go. All right. So the number 10, keeping, well, we're, we're, the countdown continues on becoming better. Number 10, keep an accomplishments list. Number nine are those email and message sprints. Number eight knowing your biological prime time. Number seven, keeping a list of your distractions as you work. Number six, shrinking the tasks in your mind that you feel aversion to because five minutes on something is better than telling yourself eight hours of stories around those and saving it for the next day. So there you go. Beautiful. So finishing up, becomingbettershow.com is where you can find all of the episodes of Becoming Better. If you want to leave a review of the show, please do on Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. I will mail you. We we will sign and mail you a postcard for the podcast. Uh, we're in a stay-at-home order right now in Ontario, Canada, but that should be lifted soon, after which a deluge of these podcast postcards will be unleashed on the world. So watch out for that. And And uh, do send us a, a picture of it when you get it. We hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you in a couple of Tuesdays.